Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. So I hope you brought your Bibles. Amen. <laughs> you guys brought your Bibles? Yes. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. All right. Um, so uh, I just, well, let's, I'm going to pray right now and just ask the Lord to um, speak through his word tonight. So Father, we thank you. I thank you, Father, that you're here. And I just pray, Lord, that we would just hear your voice, Lord. I ask you, Lord, that that you would open our hearts, our ears, Lord, our minds, Lord. I ask that you would give us understanding, God, and uh, just revelation more of who Jesus is, Lord. We just want to know you more, Lord, tonight, Lord. We want to grow in, in, in loving you, Lord. So we, we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So... Um, there's, there's going to be a couple of scriptures, uh, that we're going to be going to and fro from. Um, but the title of my message is dead end exchanges. And we'll get to talk a little bit about what that means throughout the course of, um, tonight. Um, so the last time I was up here, we were talking about, um, Thanksgiving and worship and intercession. And Thanksgiving is agreeing with what he has done, what the Lord has done. Worship is coming into agreement of who he is. And then intercession is agreeing for what he's done, what God has done. And so tonight though, what I really want to focus on is Thanksgiving, um, agreeing with what he's done. Um, but also Thanksgiving is an exchange, Amen. It's an exchange because we're, when we show up, and this is, I was sharing this a little bit the last time, when we show up with gratitude, we show up with something to the Lord. We don't show up empty handed to the Lord and just say, okay, I'm here. I am. I mean, yes, we present ourselves, even how we live by our standards, that by the standard of, of, of who he is, we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. But we, when we come and enter the, uh, the presence of the Lord, we shouldn't come empty handed. We should come with an offering and an offering of a praise, an offering of thanking him. And so that's why, why we even start off like that. When we, when we begin to worship the Lord together, we, we honor for him for who he is. And so I want you to think of it like that, that Thanksgiving, it's an offering. It costs us something. It really does because there are times when you don't feel like thanking the Lord, right? Am I right? There have been times where you may feel like, I don't have anything to thank God for right now. But the truth is, whether or not you thank him, there is an exchange taking place. And so Thanksgiving, it really costs you something. And when you think of things that cost, it's safe to say that an exchange takes place. So when we come with grateful hearts, with thankful hearts, we actually are exchanging the reality of our circumstances with truth. So I just want to repeat that. When we come with grateful and thankful hearts, we're exchanging the reality of our circumstances with truth. 
and it's important. It's so important to understand that when you and I come before the Lord to really agree with what he's done, who he has been in our lives, the truth is we're speaking truth back to him. We're speaking truth back to him and of who he's been, how he has been faithful. If he's been faithful in your marriage when you were younger and you see the, the faithfulness of God now when you're, and you're married, if you were sick before and you, you have a track rec- record with him of, of the history that he's been a healer, you begin to exchange the reality of even though wherever I'm at right now, I'm still going to exchange this at my circumstance with truth. The truth is that you've been faithful then. And, and the truth is that you will remain faithful now because you are a God that does not change. You are changeless. And, and so Proverbs twelve nineteen it says that. It says, truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. So that's Proverbs twelve nineteen. And so the truth is, truth applies today and in the future because it's connected. Get this. Truth is connected with the changeless character of God. God is changeless in his character. And so truth is also tra- changeless. You may think and have a, well, I, well, my truth is different from your truth, but the truth is that Jesus, he is the truth. He is the way he is the life. That's what John 14, six says. And so when we think about truth, the world may try to exchange truth with a different type of truth. Right. And, 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 but now today, what this scripture is telling us is that truthful words stand at the test of time. And so the Bible, this is, this is our sword, right? The Bible is the word of God. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. And it's the infallible word, word of God. It has stood the test of time from centuries on centuries. There have been so much intensive studies with the scripture and the Bible has proven itself time and time again. It's the infallible word of God. This is what we believe in. This is truth. Is this your truth as you're a believer of Christ? Because if it is, then it's important that we understand that not only is this the truth of God and that his, he's changeless, his word is changeless, we can trust his word to guide us, amen? His word will guide us. His word is, it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. So this, his word is the word that leads us and guides us. It guides us on the narrow path. It actually keeps us close in relationship with the father. And so, you know, God is truth. We can trust his word. Um, his, that's why he actually says when Jesus Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says in John 17, 17, he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Another uh, translation says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. So Jesus is praying to the Father for the disciples, and, and, and he's saying that, he's sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Truth is his word. It's scripture. And because what does scripture do? When you read the word of God, it points out sin in your life. It motivates us to confess. It, it helps us become conscious of where we're at, of where we're not. And, and it actually renews our relationship with Christ and it guides us back to the right path. So if the word of God is truth, if he is truth, and if there's no word within us, well, then how is my heart being renewed? How is, how, how am I coming into consciousness of the sin that I'm in? Uh, those types of things, it's his word that leads us. And so this is 
this is so important to know because we as followers, by believing and obeying the word, right? The word of God is a two-edged sword. That's what Hebrews 4.12 says. It cuts between the soul and the spirit. It exposes our innermost thoughts and our desires. Nothing's hidden in verse 13, it says basically, and we're accountable to those things within our heart. But the word of God, when we daily apply it to our lives, it begins to renew us. That's why it says be transformed in the renewing of your mind. It, it begins to do something in our hearts, in our minds, in the way we are and how we relate, not only to God, but to others. And so this is so important because an exchange takes place. An exchange takes place when you're seeking the Lord through the word. When you're actually setting yourself apart. You're saying, I'm going to make this exchange with you, Lord, of you gave me life. And I'm, I'm going to sow in, in this time with, by, by knowing who you are more so that I can know who I am more. And so an exchange, it's taking place. And so I want to look at, there's different exchanges that take places in the Bible. There's, a, there's quite a few. Um, but I, when, as I begin to think about this whole idea of exchanges, you know, um, the word of God, how it, the word of God leads us back to an awareness of who he is. We remember what he's done. Um, we remember our need for a savior. Because oftentimes when we forget that, we go off wondering and we end up exchanging the truth of God for a lie. And, and, and that's really, it's a really scary moment and place to be in a fork in the road where we'll get into where it's, it's in Romans 121, but it says when Paul's talking to the Romans, he said that although they knew God, they did not honor God, nor thank God, nor glorify God. And so he gave them away to their sin. Basically, he gave them up to a debased mind. So they, although they knew there was a God, they did not choose to honor and acknowledge God. And because of that, they went to what they wanted to go to. And, and so this is important to know because it, it, as we get into that scripture, it says that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And, and, and so I, I started to think about this. I started to think about, well, if Thanksgiving is an exchange, God, if we're not thanking you, if we're not positioning ourselves and our hearts in a place that's actually honoring you, acknowledging you, where does that put our hearts? Where does that put me in? Because although I may know that I have to do it, there's often times where I may fall short in doing it or just not having that understanding. And so the reason why this is so important to understand that Thanksgiving, it's not just a month, right? I hope that we know that it's not a month, but it's an everyday thing of thanking the Lord. Because when you thank him, you remember who he's been. You remember the Lord God Almighty who's seated on the throne. You remember God the Father who sent his son to die on the cross. You remember how Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit came and we have him here today, our mighty counselor. Yes, amen. He has been from the beginning and he is now. And so this is so, so important because we look back at his track record. And we look back at who he's been and who he is and, and we recount all of those things. And, and, and it, it stirs faith in our hearts. It stirs faith. It keeps us on the narrow path, actually. It makes us understand and realize 
how big God is, but also our position too as a person. Where, Lord, you're actually in control. I'm not. Things may be going around me. Circumstances may be happening. Uh, sickness may be happening. Um, problems may be happening. But Lord, you're still Lord. You're still the shepherd of my life because I've seen you before. And even if I haven't seen you in my life yet, your word has showed time and time again how you have made a way for salvation. Even if he didn't do anything else, the fact that Jesus laid his life down, the redemptive work of Christ in his blood was enough. That I can put everything on that and say, you know what, I thank you that I now have eternal life. I have eternal life. And so when we're not in that position and we're not, our hearts are not in a thanksgiving approach, it's really easy to become a stone wall. It's really easy to find yourself at a dead end. When you don't look back at all that he's done, even if there's promises that you're waiting on, because of the history that you have with him, you can remain and be reminded like, God, your word is true. Who you are is true. And, and you know what's different about a stone wall and a door? Well, guess what? I can't, I can't go through this wall. What makes me go through, what makes me go from one place to the next? And what, what's the door? Um, how does the door open? A doorknob, but what else? What, what are those little things that, the hinges, yes. <laughs> it's the hinges. The, the hinges is what actually opens the door. So thanksgiving opens the door and access so that you can, can, can be like face to face with the father. Like it, it's like this, I'm right here and I'm just like, I'm trying to go in. You're not going to go in if your, your heart's just stone cold. It's like, Lord, give me, give me, give me. Or, or we're, we're in a position of we bring things before him and guess, and, and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with you bringing your need for, with, to him, right? But he does want us to honor him in thanks. And that is the hinge that opens the door to access to knowing him, to actually, to actually knowing him and seeing him face to face where real true revelation actually begins to take place in your life where, you know, you may have been right there in that moment of, man, I don't know what's going on in my life right now. The Israelites were in that journey. There's one case study of that where they were complaining. This is an Exodus 17. I'm not going to get entirely into it, but they were complaining about thir being thirsty and they tested and they complained and, and they were so caught up in their, their need, their self-preservation that they forgot who was leading them, the provider. And, and so when you're in a place where you're stonewalled and you're just like, so you, your position in your heart is just like, I have nothing to say to you, Lord. There's something you can say. It, there's something that we can thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. It, it reminds you of the state of where you've been. And, and, and what ends up happening is access begins to come. There's, he begins to author in, his, in your heart faith. Because an encounter with, with Jesus himself, it actually begins to take place. And so 
this is this is so important to to understand because when you're thanking him access like the little hinge that opens the door of any door that is what happens when your heart is filled with gratitude like you things begin to shift thanksgiving is actually something that changes what's going what's going on in your circumstance what's going on in your life in that moment it doesn't have to be here it can be in your room it can be in your car wherever it is but thanksgiving that is the hinge that opens the doors so that you can have a real true encounter you don't need someone to lay hands on you for the holy spirit to empower you and bring deliverance in your life amen you can do that by using your voice and saying thank you father because it aligns your heart with saying you are who you are god i remember who you've been i come into agreement with who you are and i am declaring that you are going to do what you've said you're going to do this creates and stirs faith in our hearts so when we come into agreement and, and, and guess what it's that exchange and it costs something it costs your time. It costs maybe a little bit of you thinking about what am I thankful for <laughs> to sit down and actually think about that. But, you know, and it's so easy, though, to actually be comforted by the lies and the doubts around us. It's so easy to settle for something that makes you comfortable. Like, for example, you think, well, my car got a nail in it. You know, I, I guess God doesn't ever show up in my life. You know, it, well, think about a time where maybe you were bummed out and you're just, you just start soaking in it and seeping in it and you just start munching on it. It's like, yeah, well, they never invite me. And you know, whatever it is, it's so good to chew on things that like, that, that they just justify your feelings, right? And, and so the truth is this though, those things make us comfortable. But the reality is that the truth, the truth that God, it doesn't matter even if I have a nail in my tire right now, you're still going to protect me. You're still going to watch over me right now and you're still gonna find a way for me to get this nail out of my tire. You know, it, it, the truth is that you've seen him do it before, so why would he not do it again? And, and the, truth, the truth is though, oftentimes we prefer lies. We prefer illusions. <laughs> we prefer for things that make us feel secure um, that are often even not true. You know, false narratives of doubt. Um, just like I said, especially when our circumstances, they're not as we expect. So we maybe ask, so is God really with us? Is God really there? Is he really just? Is he really perfect? Isn't that what Satan did with Eve? Did he begin to feed her lies? Did God really say to not do that? That's what the Israelites told Moses. Did you really bring us here to, to just die in the wilderness? We don't have any food. We don't have any water. Those types of narratives, the comfort of the lies that we settle with and we partner with, it's an exchange. That is an exchange, and it can be an exchange of the truth of God for a lie. And so I'm, I'm emphasizing this exchange. There's these, this idea of whether or not we thank him, 
whatever position our heart is in, there is an exchange taking place. And Psalms 56, 11, it says, I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I will fulfill my vows to you, O God, and will offer a sacrifice of thanks for your help. For you have rescued me, verse 13, from death. You've kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. Amen. And, and Psalms 5610, if you can put that up right there. Um, but it's, it basically is saying how, you know, he says, I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he's promised. So this, this scripture though, what I want you to just understand is this is a, an exchange that's taking place. It's an exchange of, you know, I'm thanking him, a sacrifice of thanks. I'm remembering what you've done. I'm remembering who you've been in my life. And, and so, that is, that is what we ought to be or do and approach the Lord. But oftentimes, and there's, like I said, there's a few different examples in the Bible. I was reading in Ezekiel 28, and it actually um, is verse 28, verses 12 through 19. And there's, there's some really good commentary on this. Um, but it's actually um, some of these these phrases in the passage, they, they describe uh, the human king, um, Tyre, I think I pronounced his name right, um, but they also may describe Satan. But it actually talks about a dishonest trade. And, and it's interesting because um, Malachi, who was a messenger of the Lord, he ends up telling um, King Tyre like the judgment of what's going to happen over his life. But he's, if you actually look into it, there's, it's very similar in, um, how he's approaching where he says, verse 12, son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. And, and then I'm, I'm jumping a little bit, um, but at verse 14, it says, you are anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You are on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You are blameless in your ways from the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. And uh, verse, uh, verse 16, it says, through your widespread trade, you filled with violence and you sinned. Verse 17 says, your heart became proud on account of your beauty and your, and you corrupted, your corrupted wisdom because of your splendor. And 18 says, by your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So, like I said, a little bit context of this. Some of this, the phrases in this passage is describing the king, but it also may be describing Satan. Why did Satan get kicked out of, out of uh, the garden? He thought of himself more highly than, than God. He actually, and, and some of these, these scriptures are, you know, they're kind of they're resonating with that, where it says, verse 17, your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings by your many sins and dishonest trade. And so as I was looking at this, I thought, wow, if you look at King Tyre and you study him, the chief sin of his was pride. 
he considered himself a god. And check this out. He neglected, basically, to acknowledge God. He neglected to acknowledge God as the basis of source and life. Um, you know, so, so this, is, this is something that when we think about, what, if we're not thanking God, where does that put us? What kind of position does it put our hearts in? What kind of position does it put us in? It leads us to whatever it is that we may be, whatever we think. And, and, and so this is important to know because it's, it's, those are those, those moments in those times where we, if we're not acknowledging him, if we're not thanking him, if we're not honoring him, we put ourselves in a slippery slope of thinking that we've become who we are because of, because of us. We think, we may think, oh, well, I got here because I'm smart. I got here because I'm this, I got here. We, we start putting our, our value based off things that we do. We start thinking that we, we actually don't even think of God. And, and, and so this is, it's a dishonest trade. We can exchange the truth of God for a lie. And, and, and so I just thought that was really interesting. If you want to read that and, you know, but if I, you look at it though, it's like from the very beginning, it was a dishonest trade. He, his wisdom became corrupted. You know, his, his wisdom actually, you know, he thought that he was, he was, I mean, the king in this case thought he was a God himself, but in, in reality, you know, wisdom became perverted. And when you're not, I, and I say this because when you're not thanking God and you're not remembering who he's been and what he's done, your wisdom will become perverted and your praise will become perverted and your, 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 everything that you do will not be in alignment with the Lord because he is supposed to be acknowledged and honored and glorified above everything else. And if we're not honoring him, then you have to question who am I putting on the throne of my heart? Somewhere down the line, this king thought he could be higher than God himself, that he was a God, right? In essence, he despised the name of the Lord. It made him numb, to the, and it made him at a dead end. And, and the, the, the dishonest trade, when you look, if you think about it, this exchange, it really flowed out of a, the root of sin of despising God's name. And I started to look at what's despise mean then? It's to look down with disrespect. But not only that, to regard as negligible. So just being neglectful. To actually just not even fully caring of what you're putting in, what's going on around you. And, and so this is, it, it was like, wow, out of, out of that root of sin comes different branches. It comes, there comes pride. There comes this, you know, every other thing that, that, you know, if we're not acknowledging God, Romans 128 says, it says, since they, they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, uh, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that they should never do. Verse 29, you know, their lives became full of every kind of wickedness. And so when we're not acknowledging him, and like I said, despising is neglect. You're, 
it's, it's regarding as negligible. You're not even considering it. So when you're not acknowledging God as Lord and Savior, when you're not honoring him and thanking him for who he's been, your mind can give way to every other thing. Your heart, your, your actions, you know, we think, you know, it's, it's not only the acts of sin, it's not only something that we do, but it's the motive of our hearts. And those motives of our hearts have roots, and those roots, it really starts with an exchange. Because if you're not thanking him, if you're not honoring him and acknowledging him, and if, you're, if, we're, if we become careless and we come fast before the Lord and we're just like, thank you, Lord, okay, now let me, let me ask you for X, Y, Z. How is that honoring him, right? And, and, and so this is, it's so, is this making a, some sense to, to you guys tonight? Um, I know it's, I'm, I'm going a little bit back and forth with, with some of the Old Testament and some of the New Testament, but the reason why is because you see it throughout the entire Bible that an exchange takes place. And, and so if we know that, it's not just oh Old Testament and New Testament. We live in the New Testament. No, it's the Bible is one whole story. It's one. It's all together. What you know, what you see in the New Testament. There's things in the Old Testament that it, it wasn't just there to be there. Like it's it's for us to seek out and to understand it. And so as you seek out and understand it, you know, right even before Matthew, the book of Malachi is one of the last books. You know, before like after. Before Matthew and, and like I think a span of 400 years, you know, um, Malachi is sent to the the he's sent to to deliver a message to the people of Israel, and he's actually in Malachi chapter one, it's actually God's indictment on 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 the people, but specifically the priests, and priests who were called to minister to the Lord. And priests had a very specific job and a way of how to honor him, how to bring sacrifices to him. Um, and so Malachi addressed the priests and he, and God actually charged the priests with failing to honor him. They failed to honor him to the point of despising his name. And so I, I say that because in verse one, verse six, it says, God, God is speaking through Malachi to them, basically say, he's saying, he says in verse six, a son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty? It is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? So, and this is then verse seven, by offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? So I want you to think about this. Um, this, is, this is like a, a, it's a conversation happening. God's, God's rhetorically asking them questions because he knows they know the answer. Like, have you ever asked someone something like that? Like, they, you, you, you're not really expecting them to answer because they know the answer. So, so that's what God's doing right now. He, there's, there's a, a conversation, a dialogue, or a, basically a dialogue happening or a monologue happening where he's asking some questions of, hey, like you guys are showing contempt and, but you ask, how am I showing, how are we showing contempt? And he's answering it for them because he knows they know the answer. And, and, and so 
He says in verse 7, by offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemplable. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the, Lord, says the Lord Almighty. Now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, he will accept you, says the Lord Almighty. So I want to give a little context here. The reason why this is happening is the priests became careless in the sacrifices that were they're, they're, they're offering to the Lord. They're, they were giving blind animals. They were giving crippled animals, diseases. And he's asking rhetorically, like, isn't that wrong? Because they knew the answer. And just like in Romans 121, right? Although they knew God, they did not acknowledge him or honor him or thank him. And this is the same thing that's happening. They knew what they were supposed to do because there was the law written of how they were supposed to bring offerings to the Lord. In Leviticus 1.3, if the offering is a burnt offering, offer the male without defect. Um, Deuteronomy 15.21, if an animal has defect, is lame or blind, you must not sacrifice it. So those, these were things that they knew. The priests knew this. But they ended up becoming neglectful. They're... Their service was mere service. They did not care anymore how they were bringing what they were bringing to the Lord. They, they expedited it. And it, should, it was fast. It was just super fast. They were just like, okay, let's just bring them whatever, basically. And, and not only did they expedite it, but they neglected to actually consider how am I coming before the Lord? And then not only did they neglect, it led them to disobedience. They were... They, they were disobedient because they knew the word of God. And so why is this important? Because right now we're, under, we're learning when I come before the Lord, let me come with a heart that is thankful. Now, we're not, we don't have to offer animal sacrifices anymore. Amen. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the one who paid it all for our sins. He was the perfect spotless sacrifice. His blood um, brought in the new covenant. And, and so we're not living by the Old Testament. No, but this is a reminder. Let this be a reminder that we can also expedite our thanks to him. It can be cheap. It can be okay, I said my thank you and that's it. We can also be neglectful where we're not really caring about how we come and approach the Lord. And that leads us into disobedience. So we put ourselves as, at a dead end. So if you're thinking about, if it's anything that you, I want you to remember tonight, dead end walls, well, you, when we expedite and neglect and and it puts us in disobedience. And that is where it stops. We're, our thanks to the Lord is actually what sets us up in approaching him rightly and seeing him rightly. And, and, and so this is, this is what the Lord wants for us tonight so that you remember that thankfulness is your sacrifice. Amen. If Psalms 50, 14, it says, Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows you made to the most high. 
Psalms 50, 23 says, but giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. So no, you're not offering an animal sacrifice, but your, your thanksgiving is a sacrifice and it honors him. It's, he doesn't take it lightly. And so when, you, when we think about that, it's like, wow, Lord, you, you want me to come in not empty-handed. You don't want me to rush in. You want me to take a moment. You want me to remember who you've been in my life. I don't want to slow that down. I don't want to cheapen that. He deserves more than that. He doesn't deserve just a thank you and bye. He deserves the honor and the glory and all the power. And when you position your heart like that and you rest and marinate in his goodness, and maybe you need to look back at the word of God and and who he's been, it will create in your heart an awareness of how big, how good, how faithful he's been, how, how, man, he's been, who has he been to you? Has he been a counselor? Has he been a healer? Has he been a restorer to you? When you begin to think, who have you been in my life? I'm not expediting the process. I'm not cheapening this. And I'm not neglecting how I'm going to come to you. If this means that I have to prioritize the time in my morning, the time before I go to the work, when I'm sitting in the car, guess what? I'm going to do it because, Lord, you honor a, a thanksgiving a heart. You, you say that thankfulness is the sacrifice that I ought to bring to you. So let me keep the vows that I made to you, Lord. This is what honors you. You're not caring about me just going through the motion, me coming to church. You're not not caring about me just doing all of these different things. You're actually caring about the attitude of my heart. And that's what happened with the priest. That's what got actually corrupted, not only with the priest, but when you look back at that king uh, Tyre and you look even at with, with, with Satan himself, you know, these, it was corrupted wisdom. It was perverted. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And when we expedite and neglect um, and, and fail to actually bring thanksgiving, we do the same exact thing. We do the same exact thing. And, and, and so I think that's, you know, just one of the things that, you know, when you look at Romans 121, I, I highly encourage you to, to look at this too, um, because it, this is where it, you want to find it in, in Romans 121, where it says that for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks but they became futile. Why did they become futile in their reasonings? Why did they become senseless? Because they did not honor or give him thanks. They knew him, but they didn't honor him. They didn't honor him. They didn't thank him. And so the very act of, of, of sacrifice, you know, that even if we're giving something to the Lord, Oftentimes, if we're not remembering the significance, see the priests, the reason why God had his judgment on them was they were just bringing things carelessly. And I want to ask us tonight, how, ask yourself, how do I come before the Lord? 
every day, every time. Do I come with a heart that is full of thanks or, and remembering what he's done? Or do I just show up because I got to show up? Because that can also just then become idolatry. It becomes out of habit. I just got to do what I got to do. I got to go through the motion. And the truth is God doesn't want an empty ritual. He doesn't want that. He wants righteousness. And it's more than our, our mouths, right? It's our living, our stand. He says, present yourselves in, in Romans 12 as a living sacrifice. So not only what you say, but what you do. And so I just want to remind us tonight that God, he really desires sincere thanks and trust and praise. This puts us in an actual position of, of, of realizing I'm not going to exchange the truth of God for a lie. I'm not going to bring this offering of thanks artificially. I'm not going to expedite this. I'm not going to be cheap. I'm not going to be speedy when I come before you to thank you and praise you. I'm not going to have a fast approach. You deserve my time, Lord. I'm not going to neglect. I'm not going to not care how I offer what I offer to you. Lord, I want to pay attention and I want to have respect. I don't want to be careless. I don't want to overlook who you've been in my life because it ends up becoming disobedience when we do things our own way, when we come before the Lord in our own way, not as God commanded. His word says, enter his courts with praise and his gates with thanksgiving. <laughs> That is how we ought to enter the gates. What opens the gates? The hinges open the gates. Enter his courts with praise, his, his, or his, enter his courts with praise and his gates with thanksgiving. He is showing us and telling us how to do that. So let me not be disobedient that when I come before you, Lord, I bring you that honor, I bring you the glory, I bring you the praise. Their methods. When, we, when they were expediting and giving cheap animals, when they, when, you know, even in Romans, when they were, although they knew God, they did not glorify God. They just did whatever, right? Um, it really shows our real attitude. It shows our real attitude toward God. So I just want to leave, leave you with this of, do we maybe ask yourself, or maybe if you're taking notes, how have I expedited my approach to the Lord? How have I made it cheap? How have I neglected or not cared of what I offered to you, Lord, when you're here? How have I not paid you any attention, basically? And Lord, when I come in, my own, when I do I come in my own way to you not as how you commanded me do these things end up being the way that I give to you Lord because remember unworthy sacrifices that's what the priests in Malachi chapter 1 that's what they were giving they were exchanging unworthy sacrifices and it put them at a dead end because it was expedited neglected and disobedient it was a dishonest trade. And so I ask you tonight that same thing. What type of sacrifice are you, have you brought? But not only that of 
Lord, I want to come in with a thankful heart. I want to remember what you've done. And, and so tonight, the, we're going to actually end in communion. Because I believe that when we remember what he's done, we remember what he's done on the cross, we remember who he's been, we remember that salvation was bought with the price, we're actually positioning our hearts to not speed that, that up. We're, we're remembering, we're taking a moment to remember who he's been. We're not neglecting it. And, and because the Bible says to do this often in remembrance of me, of, of taking communion. It's not just a one-time thing. You, can, you don't even have to be, I remember one time, I think Valeria was at my house and we, we did it, we, we did, um, what, what is it, communion with crystal light and a cracker or something. Um, but the truth is it's, the sim, it's symbolic of you're remembering what he's done. You're bringing honor. You're acknowledging and you're honoring and you're thanking him for what he's done. And so 